0: to the Rutgers Rant. I'm Steve Politti from NJ Events Media, joined as always by James Cratch. And for the first time, we are welcoming Brian Fonseca, our Rutgers and college basketball expert to join the rant. We're giving Keith Sargent the day off.
1: Brian, welcome to the Rutgers Rant. How you doing, pal? Steve, longtime listener, first time participant. I'm uh, really happy to be on and uh, it's an honor. This has got to be a this has got to be a career highlight
0: for you. I mean, pe- people you know people have waited to waited to do this podcast their entire lives, and here you are already at this stage of your career. All right, so it's not really a big deal. But
1: hey, I mean, just- it's going it's going top of my resume for sure. I was just. Uh- Letting you, you know, you, uh, hype me up as long as possible before I uh, I went in there. So
0: updating your LinkedIn page is that what you're going to do when you're done with this? That's good.
1: That's I'm doing good. it as a, as we talk right now. <laughs> Wonderful.
0: Uh, well, you've had a lot to uh, certainly follow with the Scarlet Knights and this start for the basketball season. We're going to talk a lot of basketball today. We're going to do some wrestling in the middle of the show. Cratch is going to take it away for a while and preview the season. And if you're only if you're one of the football only Rutgers fans, stay to the end because we certainly will have some football but we, we got to start hoops I mean you know this has been a fascinating Rutgers basketball season uh you know Rutgers last game a two-point loss to Iowa a, a heartbreaker one possession game as Steve Peichel said and I gotta tell you guys this is the first time since the pandemic started that I've really really missed being in an arena I mean this would have been The rack would have been crazy for this game, just the back and forth nature of it, you know, some of the high-level plays. I kept on imagining what the sound would have been like, you know, when Ron Harper hit hit three three, straight three-pointers, one deeper than the next, you know, when Geo Baker was throwing up those alley-oops, you know, to to Miles Johnson. And at the very end, I'm curious if this game would have been a game that was different had, you know, especially when the – with Iowa shooting free throws, and they're shooting free throws now – into cardboard cutouts, you know, instead of a packed student section. You know, Brian, do you think that that, that game might have been a different outcome if we if we had a full rack?
1: Yeah, I think the rack is worth at least four points, right, based on what we uh, saw last year. And, I mean, to your point, that that place would have been nuts the entire night. Uh, you know, not just those highlight plays you mentioned, but even, like, you know, watching Dean Reber go up against Luka Garza and holding his own, fans would go nuts. And all some of these crazy, breathless uh, – Defensive possessions where they just pushed Iowa, which is clear now after I watched them live. The best offense in the country, they held them deep into the shot clock multiple times, and you could just tell when that shot clock was down ten, you know, five seconds, the place would just be rocking. So, um, I agree with you. I've been to every game at the rack this season, and there, this is the the game I have missed the atmosphere the most. It would have just been, uh, it would have been, it would have been electric, and I do think they would have won that game had there been a pack rack.
0: Right, and it's just such an, you know, it's such an entertaining game, and you're right about Iowa. I mean, you know, Garza is just – he's just a monster. I, I don't – you know, I'm stunned that he didn't go pro, I guess. You know, I think he's got to be a pro, a very good one. Cratch uh, watching that game, you know, it looked like for a lot of it they had Garza under control. But mm-hmm. at the end, just, there's just a few moves he made. You know, he made that one little dipsy-do, one-handed layup where he drew the foul. It, it, that's just a, not a defensible play. I mean, he's just – he's just – uh, he's just the the best player in the league.
2: No, I, I thought it was more important and Rutgers had success in this. Yeah, he's going to get his points. He had 25 points. His averaging, I think was 27.7 coming in. They kept him off the glass and he only had four yeah. rebounds. He's averaging right under 10 for the season. I, I thought that was key. I mean, look, I think that the other thing too is that I know college basketball enthusiast John Rothstein, uh, you know, <laughs> tweeted, Miles Johnson was the most underrated, whatever it was, like all those un- adjectives. Let's get rid of them now. I think the world knows who Miles Johnson is. Double double, play extremely well. Stay out of foul trouble. As Brian mentioned, you know Dean Reiber, kind of the the spunky, you know, dynamic duo they had. He came in there was feisty, gave him some some good possession. So, yeah, I mean, look, I I agree with you guys. I think if this game was at the rack in normal times, towering inferno type game, Rutgers wins the game. Uh, But then again, I I think to myself, they held Luca Garza on the glass, the four rebounds, they lose by two. If he has a better game, what does that game sort of look like? But I, I think the biggest takeaway I had was I tweeted this Big Ten championship final four. That has to be the two goals for this team.
0: Yeah, and I totally agree with you on that. That 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 this you know I'm I'm gonna put this to you, Brian, as as your first challenge. We like to challenge the panelists here on the Rutgers rant. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give this to you. Do you look at that game more as, you know, they're up seven. That's, um, you know, they're at home. That's a missed opportunity game. Or do you look at it as, you know, that's, that game is proof that this team really can compete with any team in the nation. You can't make,
1: not either or, can't be both. Which one was your, your bigger takeaway in that one? I mean, both are true, but I guess uh, I definitely take more of a blown game angle because they held them 17 points below their average. They were... Uh, relatively quiet from three Jordan Bohannon hit a couple of uh, of threes, but they kept their two best shooters. I think they were one combined one of seven uh, CJ Frederick and Wieskamp. You guys mentioned they held Garza uh, holding Garza to 25 points is pretty good given, you know, he scored 30 against Gonzaga and, and he's playing probably some of the best basketball in the country. So if you do all that on the, the defensive end and it comes down to shooting 33% on free throws, you know, right. missing yeah. 13 layups, if you hit, you know, if you shoot mediocre from the free throw line or you hit one more shot, you know, around the rim, you're talking about a team that's going into the top 10 in the AP this week. And uh, really, I mean, people are starting to pay attention. I think if they beat Iowa after already beating Illinois, like this team would really, really get into the national spotlight. So I guess if you're making me pick, it's, it's definitely more of a blown opportunity, but they did show that, uh, you know, if you could compete with Iowa, you can compete with anybody uh, in the Big Ten, I think. I'm sort of flabbergasted by the free throw thing, and it 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 was a problem
0: last year. Obviously, my problem is that this year, how is it possible that a team has three players who I'd rather shoot a contested three pointer than a than a, a charity stripe? I just don't understand it. You know, I mean Ron Harper. Now they look it up. to, he's 48 percent, 48.3 percent from three point range, and 56.6 percent from the free throw line. And I, I know that's below his average. He'll, he'll be better than that. And, and it's just not shooting them, Cratch. I mean, they're not getting to the line enough. I mean, it, it, do you think this is this team's Achilles heel?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been this team's Achilles heel. It's been an issue for years now, I, I think. You know, I, at this point, I tend to think, no, look, they're not getting to the line enough. I know there's a large segment of our listening Base that is going to feel there's a vast conspiracy emanating out of rosemont illinois against the scarlet knights of stephen bardo you know, i mean i'm about to say it's not just the, it's not the fan base i mean this yeah, is, I like, say, <laughs> I, I, that's just wild to me like first off like quick side tangent the fact that like one of the B- btn's like top analysts just like does this like freewheeling you know podcast on facebook before the games where he's just swearing and like throwing out all this i'd be like i'm just saying you know like this 2020 2021 man crazy no i mean look look i think the officiating is a thing i i think that this year it's tougher than other years to kind of probably pinpoint officiating trends just because one, I, I think you saw it with Boborowski back on the game. You're going to see, I think, a lot more of the, the same faces each game as they're kind of trying to keep these guys regionalized, you know, to prevent as much unnecessary travel as possible. But just, you know, as we said, going, like there's not 8,000 people in the rack. I assume it's a different called game that way yeah. if, if there were people because that's just human nature. But – I know, I, look, I, I know that a lot of people are saying, oh, you can't be a great tournament team if you don't hit free throws. Well, yes, like that's the logical thing. But at this point, I just wonder, is, is this just a part of this team? This team is right. just not going to shoot free throws, and if they're going to have success you know, in the Big Ten, if they're going to win games in March in Indianapolis, they just are going to have to find a way to work around that.
0: And I, I will say this about the, the free throw thing, and I'm not normally – You know, I mean, I'm not normally one of these guys who who looks at that. You know, you sometimes you get the call, sometimes you don't. It really, you know, I covered ACC basketball earlier in my career, and. You know, fans were just convinced that you know Duke and Carolina got every call, and you know I I often would just watch the games. They well Duke Duke and Carolina gets every recruit. There could be there could be a correlation there, uh, but I will say that I really thought the Ohio State game was one of the worst officiated games I've seen in the last five years. The fouls on Miles Johnson were were just borderline unfair. A couple of the last two especially. That said. I think Illinois fans might have thought the same thing at the rack, that the, the game was not officiated fairly to them. Fonseca, do you think overall, I mean, do you agree with the fans right now who, who are looking at the officiating
1: and, and wondering if there is some bias against this team? Not at all. I think you know the. you hit the nail on the head with the uh, the Illinois thing. I did not see one tweet on my in my mentions or anywhere on the message boards complaining, oh, I can't believe we got 30 free throws against Illinois. What is this officiating job, you know? And uh, I think our, our friends over at the RU Screw Podcast do a great job retweeting all these fans across the Big Ten, Iowa fans, Illinois fans, Ohio State fans. Every time they lose, their fans are tweeting about refs. Do the refs in the Big Ten have a conspiracy against every single team in the league? Is, is, is that, like, it, it, the I understand the fans, you know, inclination to blame the referees, but I don't think there's, like this massive grand conspiracy against Rutgers. It's just not.
2: There, there are two things that every major college fan base believes. The officials are out to get them. Every other team in the country has, like, nice, gentle, docile media that supportively cover the team, whereas they have the big, bad, liberal newspaper locally that just wants to tear them down. It's, it's, I haven't heard the
1: second one. That's interesting.
2: Oh, I know. It's amazing. Who knew? I mean, that's just, that's just, that's just wow. the way it works. So that's just, that's just fan is short for fanatic, and that's just how college athletics work
1: sure uh, but to to your point earlier about the free throws they 've been bad uh, for uh, shooting free throws under Pico the whole time. This is his fifth year it 's going to be the fifth year they finish in the three hundreds nationally in free throw shooting percentage it 's just i don 't know if how much men, mental like the, getting into their own heads gets plays into this at this point. you know you, you just you are a bad shooting bad free throw shooting team for this long at some point it might seep into there uh, or maybe they just are i mean i, I i've told people this. A bunch. I've written this before. They're just a bad free throw shooting team. And I think I'll the sooner I, I agree with you on that, but I'll put it, I mean, I will say this
0: like, I understand them um, while Miles Johnson's a bad free throw shooter. I get it. He's a he center. he's not his skill set. Why is Montez Mathis a, a mediocre free throw shooter? You know what I'm saying? Like,
1: I don't understand that. I can't explain it. I just know that it's a fact. It's true. And the sooner that people accept it and stop flaming message boards and Twitter, my Twitter mentions and just tweeting and complaining about it they'll enjoy games much more. Like, just, just, it's a fact of life. You know, death taxes, Rockers is bad at free throw shooting. Just (laughs) accept it.
2: It's a feature of this team. I think Brian is absolutely right. I mean, there's a reason why every time Steve Peitle gets asked about free throws, he becomes visibly uncomfortable. Brian can attest to this. Like, the two things he does not want you to ask about are postseason aspirations and free throws. He gets, you you tell it, he doesn't like talking about that. But look, I mean, I'm, look, I'm confident. We've seen it. They shoot free throws in practice. It's not like they're just you know running alley oop drills for three hours at the APC and not touching it. They shoot free throws, but. They are just not that good at it, which is fine. And like, yes, at some point it's gonna hurt you. It hurt you against Iowa. It probably's gonna hurt them again down the road again somewhere. But you can work around it if you do other things well. You know, the three pointer is a hell of a thing in college basketball. And this team is showing that they're improving at that. They keep hitting those, doesn't really matter how they, many can, they
0: can they can have three, four, three or four people on the court at every at every moment that can make any shot on the floor. That that's that's pretty
1: that's pretty good. Pretty good counterbalance. I do want to jump on that. And th- the jump this team has made offensively is unbelievably impressive. They're ranked right now. They're the 17th most efficient offense in the country per Ken Palm, which if you, you know, if you watch this team play offense, the first three or four years of the Paykel era. you am about to say, what was it last year? What was it? I mean, could... they, let me uh, pull that up. I have it right in front of me. Uh, they were 72nd, which was already pretty impressive. Uh, and two years ago, they were 152nd. Wow. So they're, they're up That's 125 amazing. spots. From two years ago, um, and even if you look at the three-point shooting, they're, they're shooting 39% from three uh, so far, and they lead the Big Ten in conference play. They're 43.5% from three in conference play. That is like, I think if you told Rutgers fans that two years ago, they would have passed out. Of course, from- two years ago you go to
0: the Rock and you couldn't you couldn't buy a basket. They had great defense. These games were like what were they like 55, 53? You're going, you know, right. Uh, so and that's a, that's a good jumping-off point for this. So, so we're nine games in. They still haven't played with a full lineup. I don't think Steve I'm, I'm – certainly, I know Steve Pikele hasn't found this rotation yet. He's still experimenting. You know, you've got Caleb McConnell back. I think that's a huge – once he gets back into the rhythm of playing, he didn't look quite himself uh, in that game against Iowa. But he's a big reserve who can do a lot of things for you. The freshmen are still – he's still trying to figure out when to play them. Ron Harper Jr. looks like a Big Ten Player of the Year candidate. I mean, give me a sense is this team where it would want to be at this point? And what is the other than the thing we just talked about, you know, what is the, what is the concern right now about where this team stands?
1: Yeah. I I think we've already discussed free throws. It is what it is. That's not going to get much better. I think they'll get a little bit better free throws and they'll regress slightly in their shooting. I don't think Ron Harper is going to shoot 48% from three and Rutgers isn't going to finish 39% from three, but they'll stay decent there. If I had to pick out a worry, I'd probably go uh, defense, which has not been bad. I'm not saying that, but given they were sixth nationally in efficiency last year on the defensive end, they've dropped to 28th uh, and they've had, you know, there some suspect games. They they're ranked, I think in the hundreds in uh, points per game allowed. Uh, so it's not terrible, but I'm sure it's nowhere near where Steve Peichel wants it to be. Right. Given that last year when they were, you know, sixth in the country, he was, comp- he was saying he wasn't satisfied. So if I had to pick one spot other than free throws, it's that. Uh, but to your point, I think given that they've had five guys miss games with injury this season, they've been banged up. Uh, they, Cliff O'Marri has been out all of Big Ten play. Uh, I think they are pretty happy with where they are now in terms of record and where they are in, in their rotation.
0: Right. Nine, nine games played, three quad one wins. That's not bad. Chris. what do you think? Anything you want to add to that?
2: no i think I think the big thing for them is they got to get big cliff back as yeah. soon as possible because if if he's out the longer he's out, the more every game becomes just what it was last year. If Miles gets in foul trouble, you don't have much behind him you know that's proven and then you know, too many times last year, they were held hostage by his foul situation for large stretches of games. I think that if you don't get Cliff back sooner, you're risking that you're going to have that same thing, just a vicious cycle of repeat itself.
0: All right, guys, let's jump into true/false. Now, Fonseca, if you've listened to the podcast in the past. <laughs>
1: Every single episode.
0: Every single episode. Wow. Twice. I haven't even done that, Brian. But that's more more than the three of us have done, certainly. Uh, All right. So you know how this works. We're going to give you a comment, true or false, and we'll discuss it at the end. Let's start here. True or false, Ron Harper Jr. is the most important player on this team. Fonseca, go. True. All right. Cratch? True. (laughs) Okay. Well, this is going to negate the next one. Jacob Young is the most important player in this team. False. (laughs) False. All right. False. False. I, I would say false to that, but I would say true to this one. Miles Johnson is the most important player in this team. I will give him, I, that where, where I will put true at this point, just because what you said about depth, you both are obviously false since you went with Ron Harper Jr. True or false, Rutgers will beat Michigan State for the first time tomorrow night. True. 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 What? true. Two truths. All right. 9-0 oh, Get the Spartans. We'll go back to that one. Uh, true or false, Chris Ash and Kyle Flood, a Texas two-step for the ages. Fonseca, is that going to happen?
1: Uh, no, but it would definitely be for the ages. All right. So, but is it true or false? I guess that's go it's false. false. I mean, you uh, asked me a yes or no question and asked me to go true or false. So, uh, well, don't, don't get
0: did, did your first episode. You can't get picky
1: on this now. Come on. <laughs> I think there's a uh,
2: I'm going to say true. And then uh, I'm going to have to find out what, what's, the, what's the UT schedule look like next year.
0: Oh, boy. All right. Uh, true or false? Dan Dockich is really just Matt Millen in disguise. Fonseca, true or false?
1: uh i see where you're going but false all right cratch uh, false false
0: i i i know i i will answer false as well but i will say the similarity is i just want him to stop talking i mean i you know what i'm saying Cratch? You, you're at the game brian so you're not you're not going through this the guy doesn't stop talking this just
2: non-stop you know yes like he doesn't stop talking but here's my thing like in a way having dan Dockich calling a rutgers game is like it's like almost like i'm not gonna say it's a, it would be too strong to call it an honor but it's it's a little bit of a status symbol like hey we're on espn this is espn's big 10 guy he's a mover and a shaker yeah, he's covering okay. our team whereas matt mill and it's like oh like we're we're on noon on btn <laughs>
0: We gotta give you some I miss Bob Wenzel. I, you know, it's like is this the, the Rutgers guy in the I don't, I don't think he's
2: calling games this year. Is um, he not? What happened? To I, him? I don't think he was on the BTN roster. Oh, I, I'm not sure if he's huh. tired or just want to take some time off. But I, I don't believe he's on their <laughs> their roster. But no, that's that's I mean, that's, that, that's the only reason why I, I understand the similarities. But if Dan Dockich is calling your game, like you've accomplished something, right? right. Which is not the case with Matt No.:
0: That's all right. Good point. All right. So you both think Harper is the most important player? I don't, maybe I didn't phrase those questions. I, I I just think that for what this team's doing right now, you know, in the, in the way Miles Johnson's playing up front, given the lack of depth uh, up front, he, you know, he is just the most indispensable player. And you can make a strong case that Jacob Young is not only the most improved player, mm-hmm. but man, he can take over games like, you know, with the way he gets to the basket, the way he can distribute and get into the line too. He's hitting his free throws for the most part. Um, so that was my point there. What is
1: your, what is your case against that there, Fonseca? I first want to say that Rutgers fans are finally having the privilege to complain that Dan Dockage is calling their games. That, is, that? An yeah. is an honor. Yeah, is an honor. I guess hearing your argument, I, it, it, I don't think you're wrong. I would have probably said Miles Johnson is the most important player, you know, prior to the season. I think that Ron Harper takes them to a level that no other player can. I think if Ron Harper is playing well, the way he did against Illinois, the way he did early in the season, Rutgers is, Rutgers ceiling is infinitely higher. Um, To your point, if Miles Johnson does get in foul trouble, uh obviously they didn't have Cliff for the game, but you saw against Ohio State just how off the rails things can get. So uh, you're not entirely entirely baseless there. I I can see your point. And Jacob Young, I have no doubt he's the most improved player on the team, although Montez Mathis does make a you know decent case for that. But uh he does make the offense run. He is the motor. Uh things change when he's off the court. Uh so it it is good for Rutgers that we are able to have this debate and there are you know, good arguments to make for all these guys. It just shows that the depth of this team, which is probably one of its biggest strengths in in just how much quality they really have across the floor. Absolutely.
2: What I come back to is like, all right, let's say Rutgers is in the Elite Eight. They're playing Gonzaga. The only way they're going to win is if someone on that roster scores 45 points that night. Ron is the guy I look at and say, okay, like, yes, Miles might be the most critical. Geo might still be the guy who takes the big shot at the end. But like Ron Harper is the one guy on the team where I say, okay, this kid, kid could score 45 points tonight and take put the team on his back
0: all right so the chris ash and kyle Flood thing. if you're not following this it's okay the holidays happened. tom herman sort of unexpectedly got fired i mean you know you can make the case once they went through for urban meyer that texas had no choice but to to make the move on him since you really hard to go back to that relationship at that point uh hired sarkazian down there in texas so the theory i think is that uh that Sarkeesian would keep Chris Ash in some role there, uh, and would bring Kyle Flood with him as what would he? So crash, What would he bring Kyle Flood with him as? Not he's not an offensive coordinator. I mean that's, that's
2: so apparently. Right. I mean so just to kind of date back, Steve Sarkeesian, you know, after he had the the alcoholism issue at USC. He was an analyst at Alabama. His first like on field job back was with the Atlanta Falcons, which is where Kyle flood had his soft landing spot with Dan Quinn after he got fired at Rutgers. So apparently they developed kind of a relationship there. Now I think Sarkeesian goes back to Alabama. Then flood goes back to goes to Alabama. Now I I don't think that was tied. I think, you know, Saban hired Sarkeesian because you know, the guy knows what he's doing. And then it just happened that, you know, Kyle Flood is a Jimmy Sexton guy. So, you know, the the, the Nick Saban coaching rehab, you know, s- school, uh, he got, you know, Kyle got the next scholarship there. And I think, but it sounds like Sarkeesian and Kyle have a good relationship. So Sarkeesian's going to Texas and, and real quick aside, one of the craziest things I think about this coaching cycle is yes, like you had to probably get rid of Tom Herman, but for Texas and Auburn to have both opened paying massive buyouts And for them to not hire surefire national championship-winning coaches blows my mind. incredible. You know, I always thought that those were two jobs where you only make a move if Urban is coming. And they both – I mean, it doesn't sound like Urban was ever uh, fixed uh, in the mix at Auburn. Uh, You didn't get them. But then – so I guess the theory is since Sarkeesian's going to run the offense and he's buddies with Kyle, Kyle could come over and be his offensive coordinator because offensive coordinator at Texas is basically a title. I assume Kyle would work with the offensive line, and then Chris. We I mean, look, look. We we've said many, written and said many things about Chris Ash. He's a good defensive coordinator, a very good defensive coordinator. I don't know if he's as good as Urban. You know, I don't know if he's the best one in the country, but he's up there. So I think it would make sense for him to for Sarkeesian to keep him at Texas if he doesn't have a defensive coordinator in mind. But at the same time, Brett Bieleman now at Illinois. We know Chris likes the Big Ten. We know Chris likes is close with Brett Brett needs a defensive coordinator. Maybe Ash ends up there, which would be great because Rutgers plays Illinois next year. So that would be a sexy, sexy matchup, but yeah, I mean, it would be kind of wild if flood and Ash both end up at Rutgers. I mean, not at Rutgers at, at Texas.
0: You James Cratch on a plane to Austin, Texas. That's what that would mean.
2: Yeah, I don't. Even, I bet you I wouldn't even get credential. I mean, the state of Texas refused to f- uh, fulfill our Oprah requests for FOIA <laughs> for Chris Ash's contract. You know, Texas has this great trick where they just write a letter to the Texas Attorney General, who then just rejects everything. Like they just literally make up the law on the fly. So, oh, a reporter from New Jersey wants something. That's against the law.
0: Love it. All right. Good job, guys. Enjoy the true or false. We're going to dive in now to a wrestling preview, which subhead means Cratch Talks a lot. Now, I, I, I shouldn't say this. You know, it's well documented that I really, despite covering wrestling in multiple olympics uh that i literally know less than nothing about the sport. Fonseca, you might you look like you could have been like a uh, a 112 at 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 Carney High back in the day. No, did you 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 didn't wrestle at all?
1: I did not wrestle though after uh I did not watch wrestling until I went to Rutgers and I started going to meets at the rack. Uh, I, th- I, you know, I, I shout wrestled in my living room every once in a while after that. It seemed like a fun sport to play, but uh, we did have a, a state champion. I remember seeing uh, a banner in our gym. Every time we had gym class of uh, Dave Cordova, who won state title in 2000. So that's my only really, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Uh, but uh, that's my only wrestling connection from uh Carney high school.
0: All right. So, Cratch, tell me right now, this, this season, the season, finally we have a hmm. schedule, a limited schedule, dual meets, looks like it'll be a, a fun schedule for fans. What is the realistic goal for this team going into the season? And what is the absolute high – what's the ceiling of this
2: team? So it's – you know, look, everything's kind of comes with the caveat of is Nick Soriano back? Is he not back? <laughs> Scott Goodell today said it's 50-50. You know, ultimately, I, I will say this. I don't. I will not believe a single thing about whether Serrano is going to wrestle the season or he's not going to wrestle the season until they weigh in at the Big Ten Championships on March sixth at, at Penn State. Because that's the absolute last moment where Nick has to weigh in, because he has to, you have to wrestle at the conference meet to be eligible for the national meet.
0: Wait, we're going to interrupt really quickly. How can it be 50 The season? not the season start this weekend? I mean, when when well, when would he show up? Would he just parachute into the into the racket? Like, I mean, know?
2: yes, he could. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, look, Nick is out in Arizona. He's training freestyle for the Olympics with the Sunkiss kids. Um, lots of you know big time wrestling club out there. Uh, he's with Mark Perry. He's training, you know, Rutgers fully supports that he's enrolled in schools, a school records and classes, obviously everything's virtual. So you can be training in, in Arizona and taking classes in Piscataway. So look, I, I think it's going to come down to Scott indicated that, if Nick is going to come back there, they, they want it to be good for the program, which would mean Nick competes the way I read it in some of the dual meets this season. Obviously he's not going to wrestle on Friday night against Michigan. You know, I, I don't know if he's if anywhere close to a full season, but it sounds like he has, he, it, at this point, they want him to be back before the Big Ten tournament. Now he doesn't have to show up until the Big Ten tournament. He can literally step on the mat. He'll have you know he might be seated 14th, but Nick Serrano is going to qualify for the national tournament if he goes to Big Tens. I mean, he's training like an animal out, out west. So is that
0: wait? Is that fair to whoever is currently wrestling at the, at that weight class? I mean, just that. It,
2: well, no, but that's our factors you don't really know. You, I mean, look it helps that everyone gets a free year. So you're not losing eligibility, you know, if that happens, you know, we also don't really know if he come. okay, Nick comes back, what weight is he going to go at? Obviously, he was at 133 when he won a national title two years ago, but his Olympic weight is 57 kilos, which is basically 125 pounds. So what do you want to wrestle 125? Because the trials are only going to be a couple weeks after the national tournament. So look, if Nick comes back and he wrestles 125 and they put out their best possible lineup with, with Surian at 125, Sammy alvarez at 133 sebastian rivera at 141 this team could finish top four in the country and win the ncaa team trophy if nick comes back at 33 I, I think they've got a shot to be in the top 10 if nick doesn't come back at all i still think they've got a shot to be in the top 10 you know I, sebastian rivera is number one at 141 he's a bona fide national title contender sammy, sammy alvarez can get to the podium billy janzer can get to, a, a lot of these guys this is depth wise this is the strongest Rutgers team they've had in a, in a long time maybe ever can they have that firepower to put a banner up and add to the banner in the rack and get another national champion with with Sebastian I think definitely with Sebastian but the but the team goals are going to depend on a does Nick come back and wrestle and b he's back what weight does he go at
0: it's just so weird that they wouldn't have an answer to that question. You, you, think that, you think that's weird, right, Brian? I mean, that's kind of strange not to know if you
1: – wrestling I mean, Steve, I, I, who, who knows? <laughs> Half-time – I mean, look, it's, it's – not it's
2: weird. It, it, <laughs> Maybe yes, we're like, weird, right? It's, yeah, it like, would, it, yes, it, it is weird, but it, it's Nick. You know, right. I mean, yeah. Nick is this international man of mystery. And as mm-hmm. I said, you know, I, I, tr- I, I know – I believe, Scott, like, it's not out of question. You know, I mean – it it go it, the wind depends on what you know, i like imagine if the anthony Campanelli defensive coordinator saga played out for like years that yeah, is literally yeah. what it is i mean it's like you wake up one day and it's like oh he's he's definitely not coming back to you know oh nicks nicks in russia at this tournament to like nicks here nick there so look I, I as i said we i it sounded like they want – if he's going to come back, they want him to compete during some of the dual meets. The schedule is condensed, only six dates. They're spread out only one date a week. So it could – you know, he could, in theory, still train – Arizona come back. He, he still would have plenty of time to train if he comes back to New Jersey, but uh, we won't know for sure again until they hand out the final weigh-in sheet uh, on the morning of March sixth.
0: Nick Soriano still stands as one of the, the most interesting interviews I've ever done, and it was outside the set. The scene outside the old wrestling room, and he had his headphones on. He was listening to to music as he's talking, and he's in his you know his, his practice of whatever you call it, unitar. That's not the word. But and and he is he's shifting like in the wrestling, like he's doing that little wrestling thing where he's kind of moving as he answers questions. And I found myself as I'm asking him questions also doing the, the like instinctively just like also shifting like I like I thought for a minute that he's gonna take my legs down and I would, that would have been it. You know, I would been da- you know, I I, I double his weight, but he would take me down about the about like three seconds.
2: I will say for, for all of the kind of pomp and circumstance that, that follows Nick and the excitement and the intrigue. The bottom line is this. He was the Beat the Streets right in 2019 right after he won a national title. He had, hadn't wrestled freestyle in years. He went out there. He beats Joe Colon, who was a world bronze medalist. He's been training for two years. No matter whether he wrestles for Rutgers or not this year, with his defense and if he, if he adds offense for the, for the training the past two years, he has a legitimate chance to win the team trials go to Tokyo and potentially win a gold medal there, which is, a, which is amazing. Of course. You know, so I, I think that's the thing that you, you can't lose sight of. This is a guy who might, you know, I, I don't know if he's got as great of a chance as, you know, as terms of Sydney, but this is a guy who could definitely win a gold medal. Uh, same for, you know, Sebastian Rivera is going to compete to be on team Puerto Rico. Anthony Ashland obviously is going to bid. He's in a very tough weight class at the team trials, but you know, Nick, can legitimately win a gold medal, and I think that's that's his goal. And you know, Should it's his goal absolutely. And, you know, yeah. He wants to focus on that. And but at the same time, too, he's got one year of eligibility left. No matter what, this is you know this NCAA free year. This is a guy like look, Nick Nick lost his freshman year because of the injury at Penn State. Like in a way, he's getting that year back. So I think that also could be a factor. Of, he could be a three-time, a two-time, three-time national champion, you know, because it's not like he can bank this year and come back next year with two years. You got to take it or leave it. You know, that's why Sebastian Rivera said he was planning on redshirting and, and focusing on the Olympics. Well, then they get, told him, hey, you can have this for a year. Why sure. wouldn't he take it? You know, this is their chance to win a national title. A guy like him could be a two-time national champ. Nick could be a three if he comes back. So I, I think that you can't – obviously, it's going to be a big story, and it really kind of determines, and it's kind of, I'm sure, tough for, for Rutgers and for Rutgers fans to kind of be hanging in limbo here. But no matter what, the kid has a real shot to win an Olympic gold medal. Sure. I think that has to be the focus. And as, as Goodale said, they're behind him 100% in that pursuit.
0: Right, one last thought. Why, again, is Sebastian Rivera here? I mean, what made him transfer from Northwestern? Was, you know, if he could have the same comp- competition there for the Big Ten, obviously.
2: I think he said, you know, I think the big thing was one, you know, obviously he was able to, he he got his degree, but you know, look, he's home, you know, Northwestern has a, a solid program, but they did not have the training partners, okay. you know, that he has here. I mean, first off, he, you know, he's a one, so he's got Anthony, you know, he's got... Sam, it is Arsenal
0: he's training with. Gotcha. Ash,
2: okay. Yes, he's... All those guys, you know, at, you know, I don't know who exactly works, with, but, you know, obviously with the NJRTC, with Princeton, you know, Kaladzic, guys, like, they're there. The training partners are here. I mean, his dad's here, which is huge. His dad, yeah. you know, runs the, the club. You know, Frankie Edgar's here. You know, it, there's just so many things that kind of benefit him, Be Being home with his support group, with the partners they have in the room at Rutgers, I think he's a a kid who loves New Jersey and and wanted to compete. I mean, you know, he's he's Scott Goodell's known him since he was a little kid, you know, being down from the shore. So I think it was just kind of a. Every all the stars aligned, and you know. Was, but as he said, you know, he's he he he's, he. You know, he's funny. He said, uh, "I'm tired of this COVID thing. Like, I want people back in the rack." I think that was a big thing too. He came back because he wanted to wrestle in front of eight thousand people in the rack, you know, and wrestle for his home state. He won't get to do that this year. God willing, he'll get to do it next year.
0: All right. Well, that was good, Kratz. Thank you. I don't know about you, Brian, but I feel like I, I know like thirty seven percent more about wrestling than when I started. So.
2: Uh, yeah, Hope I didn't I uh, drone on
0: too long. No, no, it was good. All right, so we're we're educated.
1: One thing I'll add to that, uh, I watched uh, Sebastian's press conference today earlier, uh, and he called the crowd noise, or someone asked him about crowd noise, and he called it corny. I appreciate someone keeping it real like that, because honestly, I agree. I think uh, pumping crowd noise is corny, and I frankly don't know who, it, who it's there to help. I really don't
2: know I why on. I asked. I, I he I asked him about the cutouts because Joe Grello had said, you know what? Was like, they had a practice, Tavis uh, on a Monday, they had a their like team practice in the rack. To kind of, the first time most of those guys, have, I assume all of them, have been in the rack since you know, March. And Joe said, you know what? Actually, if the cutouts kind of made it feel less weird to him. So I asked Sebastian, yeah. I said, did you feel so many? And Sebastian was like, no, they're corny. <laughs> which which I kind of, which like, look, I, I, I kind of, you know, I. I I get it. You know, I I think it helps, but I will say that, you know, I think of all the sports wrestling, obviously you're going to miss the atmosphere at the rack, but Rutgers goes to a lot of places in the big 10 where there's just no one there. Yeah i mean like i remember a couple of years ago they wrestled at northwestern and the btn plus stream was literally i think like some somebody hooked up their iphone to a tripod and they had it. someone just kind of swinging back and forth no sound no anything so I, obviously you're, you're gonna miss a lot at rutgers you're gonna miss a lot of penn state and iowa and in minnesota but you're not gonna miss a whole heck of a lot of some of these sleepy uh, big 10 cities
0: All right guys, let's dive into some uh, Rutgers insider questions. As always, thank you for subscribing, ngia.com backslash insider. We if you don't know what we're doing here every week, we ask for questions for people who do get our tech service and we get some good ones. We got about 30 this week. We can't get to them all. Of course, we'll get to a few. The most common question, Brian, we need some intel. On the Cliff Omaruri injury, it's starting to feel like while no major knee damage, he's not close to even practicing.
1: Do we have an update there? Any idea when he's going to get back in the court? Uh, I don't. Uh, I, I know he's, you know, they're working to get him back as soon as possible. He's, uh, they're reevaluating him every week. Uh, he's getting better by the week, I'm, I'm told. But uh, obviously, like you said, he, he hasn't practiced yet. And until he gets uh, two, three, four practices under his belt, I don't anticipate him uh, being thrown in. But uh, it, it works well in that the next two games are winnable without centers michigan state has no true center that's you know worth his weight and salt there and and ohio state as uh, they saw in in at columbus barring miles johnson fouling out in 15 minutes again i think they can survive without uh cliff there but yeah as soon as the sooner he can get back the the sooner this team is is at its full potential
0: all right, next one and this there had a couple on this which which I hadn't seen. Well I, I should, should take that back. I did see it, but uh, thoughts on Doug Gottlieb and his bizarre take on how the rack is not a good college basketball venue. Yeah, people are not on Twitter didn't see this, but Doug Gottlieb, I don't where, he Fox Sports? Where's he ESPN? He's, he's a radio guy someplace. Somewhere. He's like a prof- He's he's just a professional troll. He he makes I don't know what he makes for a living, but whatever it is, it's good enough that he you know he makes a living just saying infuriating things and stirring people up. And it stirred up a lot of Rutgers fans. Cratch, uh, I mean, you know, is is it worth even talking about this guy? You know, you you've seen him on Twitter, or is there something is there something to it? That, the the counter argument that we we romanticize the rack more than perhaps we should.
2: No, it's not worth talking about him. <laughs> I mean, it's just, look, I, I get it. You know, it's Twitter, and there's not much going on, you know, but like, no, like, who cares? I will say this, though, like, I'm sure a guy like him, he went to the rack, the team stunk, they blew him out. You know, like look, like, look, I've always said this about the rack. Is the rack, like, sexy? Is it, you know, does it have all these, like, modern amenities? No, but, like, who cares you know it's a yeah. college basketball arena this is it's not monte carlo i mean it's just like so i think it's perfectly fine i think it's loud it's special if doug gottlieb doesn't understand it you know okay fine he's been in there once like just move on with your lives
0: exactly who cares what doug gottlieb thinks I and mean, you have people who do gottlieb this- you know
2: it's just like you said it i don't even know where it works anymore so like exactly. you know who cares
0: all right. Uh, a, a few, Andy J has a good one. Without crowd noise, do you think home court records will be similar to the home court football, home field football records, essentially eliminating home court advantage in the Big Ten this year? Uh, Fonseca, what do you think? I mean, obviously, in football is a big deal. I mean, Rutgers won three Big Ten road games. I don't know if they would have done that if, you know, they had 50,000 people in some of these venues. Is it going to negate that 18 1 advantage that Rutgers had last
1: year at home? I mean, they're not going to go 18-1 again. I don't think they'd go 18-1 again, even if there were fans this season. I thought I think last year's run was really something not, replica- not replicable. But, I mean, the early sample size is that Rutgers wins a road game on its first road game at Maryland, a place they never won before. Uh, but they also lose a game at home against Iowa that they'd probably you know win last year. So uh, I think it's a little early to tell. But uh, I do think that uh, the the – Disparity between Rutgers' and Hyde, eighteen to one at home last year, and two and ten on the road is just not going to. I think it'll be a lot more balanced.
0: All right, a few football questions. Crash. We have one from a new subscriber, Mark Mentor. Thanks for joining. Uh, any update on any unsigned players that are still in the mix, and any info on New Jersey players in the transfer portal who might want to return home? EJ, EG, Guarantano, Iris, and Clement, etc. Uh, is it too early to know how this is going to shake out with the transfer portal crash, or do we have an idea about guys who are not going to come here?
2: It sounds like, you know, we had said it um, when it happened. I don't think they're in on Clement. I, I don't think they're I – I would be very surprised if Guarantano ends up here. I think we discussed that on a recent podcast. It seems like, you know, they're in on Jack Cohn, you know, the, uh, mm-hmm. the Wisconsin quarterback who obviously – as many records fans know, was the kid Kyle Flood was going to watch when he, the chopper, you know, the infamous chopper flight back. He'll always
0: again. have a spot in history. You always in will have
2: a spot yes. in history. You know, but again, like, you know, the problem with, with the, the, the transfer portal is a guy like Jack Cohn, who's had success at Wisconsin, who, you know, who's experienced, he's got a lot of suitors. I mean, you know, yeah. it's great, you know, I, look, I think Rutgers definitely is able to put a lot, much better foot forward, you know, for Jack Cohn now than they would have been, you know, two years ago, obviously. But at the same time, and Greg Schiano and Sean Gleason can do whatever they want, and they have a very impressive presentation. But if Notre Dame calls, you know, or Texas calls or USC or Oklahoma, you know, the kid's going to listen to that too. So, but I think that you know my guess is that you're going to see them add more transfer portal guys. I just I don't know if this is going to be the year where they add that add that kind of you know home run national buzz transfer out of the portal.
0: Other than quarterback, which we agree that we have to they have to add someone to that room. What do you think is the position that is most likely to add a guy?
2: I, I think they have to get a tight end
0: because yeah, totally. those tight
2: ends yeah. just. They they don't block. They really went out. Rutgers
0: and the Giants need to get a tight end. Yeah, they they
2: have to get a tight end, (laughs) you know. um, Tight end, I think, you know, they got an offensive lineman. They got a defensive lineman. I think uh, someone in the secondary could really help. I think depth is a concern there. Uh, I would say tight end, and I also think maybe a running back. You know, I just, you know, really why? Well, just because, you know, Isaiah Pacheco, we we saw last year, you know, like this past season, like it just seemed like they they struggled to kind of find a way to use him. A guy like Aaron Young didn't do a lot, you know, Cameron Adams. I just think they might need another guy in that room just to kind of shake things up. I think that's, that's well down the list. I think for me, tight end is the position they have to address.
0: All right. Thanks for again for all your questions, folks. We appreciate it. We're going to dive in. We have, let's do predictions. We don't, we did it for football. Uh, it's a little harder to do for basketball. You, some of you might be listening to this after the Michigan state game is played. Uh, I, I, I thought it was interesting. You both said true to the fact that Rutgers will beat Michigan state. It's kind of a sneaky, it's kind of a sneaky uh, pivotal game. When you think about it, uh, you know, Michigan state one and three in the big 10 coming off a, uh, Closer than you thought, uh, win over Nebraska. Um, there's some fear out there that a 22 year NCAA streak is in jeopardy, which is, I mean, if you have 14 teams in the Big Ten that could be ranked, something's got to give on some level, you know? So it, it, it's possible. Uh, why do you think they're going to win this game, Fonseca? Tell me. Because Michigan,
1: St- Michigan State stinks. Really? Um, you think they stink? They're they still ranked. That's a reputational ranking. They're still ranked the same way Duke is still ranked because they have the name, but they stink. Uh, I think they'll eventually turn around because I trust Tom Izzo to have the team play well by March. Uh, But they have a lot of problems. They have no point guard. Uh, They have no center. They have (laughs) no offensive rhythm. They struggle a lot on defense. Um, They still rebound like crazy. They still run in transition. But the drop-off from this team to the standard that Tom Izzo has built in East Lansing is insane. They stink. And I think Rutgers gets their first win ever against them. Their first one at Breslin by double digits. They won't be close. Wow. Um, Yeah, I think they're gonna crush Michigan State because again, they stink. Cratch, do you agree at that level? uh,
2: I don't know if they're gonna crush them. I will say this. I think that Michigan State is not a vintage Michigan State team, but this is like, just how we talked about with football where you're playing at Penn State or something beating Michigan State would be a major kind of milestone moment for Steve Peichel, especially their program, right? Because Michigan State, I mean, has been the big 10 in hoops for 20 years now. So I think right. it's just a moment where, you know, it's just, they're long overdue. They've had some near misses against the Spartans in recent years. I think mean, this is the year it kind of puts you, I will say this, Tom Izzo is the best coach in the country. And I, Bet you they make the tournament, and we're sitting here in March, and they're in the Sweet 16 or something like that. Never bet against Tom Izzo.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, like I said, I, I would not be surprised if they're playing well in March, but he has a lot of work to do because, I mean, they're, they're bad, man. They're, they're really bad. I guess I would feel better about this game if they weren't 1-3 and, three and ha- facing a
0: game that they kind of sort of have to win. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a good, I'm not going to kind of chicken out and not pick. I'm going to pick a close Rutgers victory because you can't chicken out on this podcast, but it's, it's, I think it will be
1: much closer than, than Fonseca thinks. For what it's uh, worth. Ken Palm has it as a two point Rutgers win. So yeah. you're, you're like in the popular uh, okay. uh, part here, but I, what, I mean, the, what does Vegas have it at? Vegas, the line hasn't come out yet, but Vegas yeah. usually follows Ken Palm's uh, so. lead. Yeah. So it's probably going to be Rutgers minus two.
0: Rutgers could be favored on the road at Michigan state. Yeah. <laughs> I find that hard to believe, but wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, Uh, All right, while you're looking it up, this is interesting. So (laughs) I looked at this day. Seven of the next nine games for the Scarlet Knights, I didn't look at the rankings today, but as of the rankings a few hours ago, are against ranked teams. And the other two are at Penn State and at Indiana. I mean, that is an incredible schedule. And I get it. You probably wouldn't have thought that you'd have two ranked games with Northwestern. You probably wouldn't have thought that Minnesota would be ranked but they are, you know, I mean, that's, that is a grueling. What do you think if you, if you're going to go over those nine games, I'll go through them really quick. Um, It's at Michigan state, obviously Ohio state, at Penn state, Wisconsin at Indiana, Michigan state at Northwestern, Minnesota at Iowa, Northwestern at Michigan. I mean, what, what's the best case scenario to get out of that buzzsaw record
1: wise, Brian, what do you think? Ken Palm has them going seven and three. I think they can – best-case scenario, they go 8-2. and two. Um, Games that I would be worried about are Wisconsin, who I think is probably the best team in the Big Ten. Um, it's tough to win at Indiana. Um, Minnesota is really good. Like you said, they're a surprise team. They have probably the best point guard and shot blocker in the in the the Big Ten, but they have arguably the worst coach in the Big Ten, so that's a wash. That's at uh, home as well, so you think they would win that one. Right. I, I, I think – Best case scenario, eight and two, I would probably, if I had to bet on it, go seven and three. Um, But uh, to your point about them being ranked, Michigan State's probably going to fall out of the rankings after this week. Ohio State already fell out of the rankings. Uh, But I agree. The first half of the schedule is brutal. The second half of the schedule eases up a bit.
0: Uh, Cratch, you grew seven and three, I think they'd sign in blood for that. My goodness, that is
2: a Oh yeah, that would be a major accomplishment. I, I would say like six and four I would be pretty happy with. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, look, I, I think at this point, unless Rutgers completely collapses, they're making the big ten. They're, they're making the big dance, like they're in. They just have to kind of rack up a resume, try to play for seating, you know kind of keep the thing you know never get too high, never get too low this season. I think that's a big key for them, and if you go six and four in that stretch, I, I think you're doing pretty well for yourself.
1: One, all thing, right, Jim, one thing to, to keep in quick. mind is, sorry, just really quick. One one thing to keep in mind is like, Rutgers is going to be favored in a lot of these games. Like, Rutgers is, Rutgers is really really good, which is hard to, I, I mean, given the fact that we've been watching this team be awful for you know years, it's hard to mentally you know get in that space. But Rutgers is really really good, and they'll the the way that Michigan State and Purdue and all those teams would come into the rack, and and be a favorite team. I think Rutgers is that way for most teams in the big 10 this season.
0: All right, I mean, gentlemen, I appreciate, uh, Brian, you joining us. I think, you know, Sarge is going to listen to this and we're going to get a call like on Tuesday, like, Hey guys, you know, make sure I'm in, uh, uh, make sure I'm in the podcast this week. He's not going to, he's not going to want to, I think he's in some jeopardy crutch. What do you think? I, I don't know. I mean, you don't want to replace a guy with young talent just, you know, just because you can, but I mean, overall, I think Fonseca certainly graded out as a solid, uh, a minus today on the podcast. What do you think?
2: No, definitely. I mean, I think I might be in jeopardy because you know Sarge knows more about hoops than I do, so I might be. You know, this has become a basketball school all of a sudden. So right. you know, well, yeah, it'd be time that, for me to hit the beach until spring practice, whenever right. that happens.
0: Especially now that we're so educated on on wrestling that that forsaken. think we can talk <laughs> edu- about it.
2: <laughs> see you see you in March. You know, yeah, exactly. All right, guys, thanks again,
0: everyone. Thanks again for uh, your insider questions, and we we'll be back soon to to talk some more hoops. Bye bye.